Hello and welcome to the Business Standard Morning Show. I'm Venu Sandhu. It's the 5th of February 2024 and here are the questions we will be answering today. Can SpiceJet's Ajay Singh make go first fly again? Who will gain from Canada's restrictions on overseas students? Is there more pain ahead for Paytm stock? And what is Rabbit R1? Over eight months after GoFirst grounded its entire fleet and filed for bankruptcy, a fresh development has given some hope to its anxious lenders. They are reportedly seeking an extension of the insolvency process by another 60 days after three potential buyers have expressed interest in the airline. SpiceJet's founder, Ajay Singh, is one of them. But does Ajay Singh have the wherewithal to put GoFirst back in the air? Abhijit Kumar and Shivam Tyagi find out. On the 3rd of May 2023, GoFirst surprised its flyers by cancelling all its flights. While the flyers moved on, its lenders have been living between hope and despair since then. Several potential buyers, including Naveen Jindal, have withdrawn their bid in the last eight months. Jindal Power was the only company whose expression of interest to take over GoFirst was accepted by the Committee of Creditors. After the acceptance of the expression of interest, which gave Jindal Power access to the airline's crucial data containing liabilities, route profile, etc., the company decided against pursuing the deal. SpiceJet 2 had shown interest in the Wadia Group promoted company in December last year, with the aim to establish a robust airline, potentially through a combined entity. But it wasn't followed through. And now, SpiceJet promoter Ajay Singh has thrown his hat in the ring. Two other entities, Sharjah-based aviation company SkyOne and BusyBee, too, have expressed interest. They have submitted a bank guarantee of Rs 5 crore along with a formal expression of interest. After this, the creditors are reportedly planning to move NCLT to extend the insolvency process by another 60 days. The tribunal has the authority to extend the resolution time frame to a maximum of 330 days. But what after this? Kinaja Singh, who took over SpiceJet in 2014 when it was on the verge of shutting down and turned its fortunes around, revived Go First. Back then, Singh had settled dues of about rupees 2,200 crore and turned SpiceJet into India's second largest airline. But he couldn't pull out SpiceJet from the pandemic blues. A global ban on Boeing Max aircraft that SpiceJet owned also added to the wars. The airline has been accumulating losses since then. The budget air carrier's losses have increased five-fold from Rs 316 crore in FY19 to Rs 1503 crores in FY23. So why is Ajay Singh, the man at the helm of a cash-strapped spice jet, I go first? I think Ajay Singh would be in the best position to answer because they haven't put in public domain as to what makes SpiceJet bid for go first when SpiceJet itself has been struggling for funds, number one. Number two, as at loggerheads with the aircraft lessors themselves, what is there in go first that one can really get at this stage? 
Most of the employees who matter, pilots, cabin crew, have quit the company. The aircraft is in under litigation by lessors who have not been paid their dues for quite some time. So what is it in Go First that SpiceJet wants to get? It's a simple case of maths that two weak airlines cannot make a strong airline. And the public perception of SpiceJet has gone down dramatically from the time when it commanded 14-15% of the domestic market share to now when it commands only 5% market share. What is it trying to do or get from go first? It defies logic and we do not know about it, nor can we hazard a guess about it. However, some aviation experts believe that Singh might be eyeing go first as a strategic move to bolster SpiceJet's position in the market. SpiceJet has a fleet of 91 aircraft. So will the acquisition of GoFirst provide SpiceJet access to a larger market share, a more extensive fleet and routes that complement its existing network? Typically, when airlines uh, take over another airline, uh, it's either uh, to achieve scale in operations, uh, but in in here, the challenge is that none of the aircrafts are owned by Coair. Uh, the aircraft have been on ground for a long time. The engines are not on the aircraft. The engines are in the shop, uh, and uh, you know those those uh, engines would still need to to undergo maintenance. The aircraft will need to undergo maintenance before return to service. Uh, it's a different aircraft type completely from from SpiceJet. So there is no. Um, uh, scale benefit that is going to come from from such kind of a, a transaction. They are operating within the same market, uh, uh, which is the Indian domestic market. International routes, yeah, both of them have the same kind of uh, eligibility in terms of international sectors. So, yeah, I mean, it, it does not make any logical sense for, for such a uh, transaction. All the more it raises questions because uh, I mean, SpiceJet also owes money to a uh, lot of lessors and, and vendors. And there is going to be a question, I mean, if this thing really goes forward, that uh, if the capital is available, these are the vendors who would want to be paid first rather than that money going into an, uh, takeovers. Clearly, challenges loom large on the horizon. GoFirst 2 has a huge debt. It owes creditors more than rupees 6,200 crores Major lenders include Central Bank of India, Bank of Baroda, and IDBI with Rs. 1934 crore, Rs. 1744 crore, and Rs. 75 crore of admitted claims. Pfizer did announce that they are having equity infusion, uh, strategic investments, uh, but it would, it would uh, I mean, typically, I'm not sure whether any board of uh, board would approve or the investors would approve that capital to go towards uh, an MA activity rather than uh, going into restructuring the airline itself and, and bringing it better out. So I think he just needs to focus on getting Spice back on track first. And if at all this acquisition really happens, will it help both these airlines overcome their individual challenges? If they do acquire Go First, lenders agree to it, question is at what value does SpiceJet or Rajasingh as a promoter have the resources to pay for it? 
let it not be a repetition of jet airways nclt gave it to a new promoter lenders came in and said look you need to first put in this amount of money after they put that money some more money to be put in and jet airways is still not airborne now are we going to look at another repetition ajay singh has been known as a turnaround master in india's aviation industry but right now most experts believe that it's spice jet which needs his full attention at the same time indian skies which are staring at a duopoly clearly need new players which will benefit flyers It seems SpiceJet is trying hard to turn the corner. It reported profit in the first quarter of FY24 and narrowed losses by about half in the second quarter year on year. It is also planning to raise fresh capital of 2250 crore rupees. Moving on, the number of Indian students flying to Canada is set to shrink considerably. The country has announced two year restrictions on new international student visas. But who will gain from this? Ayush Mishra and Shivam Tyagi explore. The province of British Columbia in Canada has recently declared suspension on the approval of new colleges that want to admit international students. This is for the next 2 years until February 2026. Notably British Columbia is home to a large Indian student community. This comes a week after the Immigration Refugees and Citizenship Canada or the IRCC introduced a temporary limit on study visas of international students. On the 22nd of January, Canada implemented a new policy capping study permits at around 3 lakh 60,000 for 2024, a 35% decrease from the previous year. The 2025 study permit quota will be announced later this year. This change, however, doesn't affect current permit holders, renewals, or individuals pursuing masters and doctoral degrees. The Canada government introduced the new rules to control the growth of international students to alleviate pressure on the country's housing and healthcare infrastructure. International students in the country steadily increased to over 8 lakh in 2022 from 2 lakh 14,000 a decade ago. Another big change is international students at private colleges in Canada will no longer be eligible for post-study work permits. The government alleged that these colleges attract a large number of students posing a loophole in post graduation work permit eligibility because of this huge influx of indian students there were a lot of low quality colleges who had come up in the in the country they were called associated colleges they are not full degree granting colleges they are associated to a bigger college and they were working like a uh, transit camps for a lot of this indian students and that is not right. they were charging a lot of money the value proposition was not the high quality education value proposition is i will give you a pathway to get a canadian citizenship right so it's a hop it is what's like a pit stop to that and that is something where the indian students were getting cheated and that's something that canadian government started getting cautious about according to ircc data canada issued over 5 lakh 50000 student visas in 2022 of this 41% were given to indian students 
that's over 2,26,000 visas. Around 1,36,000 or 60% of these students come from Punjab alone. In 2022, international students contributed $22.3 billion to the Canadian economy, of which approximately $10.2 billion came from Indian students. While some experts say that the cap may come as a jolt for Indian students, others agree that the step could augur well for the international education market. This step is actually extremely good for international education market. Um, the last two years, especially post-COVID, really saw students really going abroad for random reasons. And um, in this surge and this in, in, entire de demand, a lot of Indian students were also duped, you know, by local agents um, and who mushroom like anything, especially in the rural areas of Punjab and now we're being, you know, mushrooming in the areas of Haryana. And if you see in the last two years, there were extremely good number of i mean large number of unfortunate incidents where many indian students even you know died by suicide in canada um, mostly and most from punjab um, so i think entire boom led the ecosystem to be really exploited um, and then finally the canadian government had to intervene with a desperate measure like you know putting student visa cap uh, if you see a similar thing is felt even in uk you know where stricter visa rules have come into play now uh, despite having an Indian origin PM. So, you know, I mean, that is how I take this, right? That students who are going with certain focus around quality education, upskilling, job opportunity, and improvement in their learning and skilling should not be worried. But the ones who are just going as a migratory bird, um, looking at just a migration, you know, being, you know, student visa used as a tool to just migrate to a country like Canada should be worried and be impacted around this. Indians formed the biggest diaspora to get permanent residency in 2022. They accounted for 27% of all permanent residents admitted in Canada in 2022, followed by China, Afghanistan, Nigeria and Philippines, among others. Top undergraduate courses in Canada for Indian students include information technology, engineering and hospitality management, among others. With Canada's restrictions, industry observers say other countries are set to benefit. Some of the emerging study abroad destinations are Germany, France, Ireland, Spain, Singapore and New Zealand. According to a report, Germany has witnessed a 107% rise in Indian student enrollment between 2019 and 2023. Industry insiders believe that the restrictions in Canada will also benefit Indian universities at the undergraduate level. At the UG level, Indian universities are definitely going to, you know, uh, get a positive impact of this, you know, especially the new age liberal universities like Ashoka University, Kriya, Flame, OP Jindal and so on uh, at the undergraduate level. Um, at, you know, I mean, some demand will also go to countries, you know, like France, Germany, Singapore, recently the president of France who was in Indian tour, uh, really, really um, was kind of um, putting the uh, higher education uh, in France as one of the prime agenda, you know, in his visit. So France, Germany, Singapore, New Zealand, and some smaller Scandinavian, you know, Scandinavian countries, you know, like Norway, uh, Sweden, Finland, they are definitely going to gain, gain from this. 
For now, Canada aims to tackle the menace of private colleges exploiting international students and improve its healthcare infrastructure. Analysts expect the visa restrictions on students will be lifted once the country sets its house in order. In the near term, Indian universities will benefit at the UG level. For higher education, students will continue to prefer traveling overseas as new alternatives are coming up fast. The United States, meanwhile, remained the top choice for Indian students. India was the largest source of international graduate students in the US in 2022-23. Let us now move on to financial markets. Paytm is in a slump, having been locked in the 20% upper circuit for two straight days since the RBI has mandated it to halt nearly all banking services of its payments bank unit. With this, the fintech's timeline to profitability has clearly been delayed. So what lies ahead for the stock and the company? Harshita Singh and Deepak Kargaonkar find out in this report. Shares of 197 Communications, parent of fintech giant Paytm, have slumped 40% in two days, erasing over $2 billion in market value. The losses came on the back of the RBI ticket that ordered its subsidiary, Paytm Payments Bank, to halt nearly all banking transactions from the 1st of March. Paytm Payments Bank is a key banking partner for Paytm and houses all of its 330 million wallet accounts and some 150 million plus UPI users. The payment bank also has a 17% market share in Fastag toll payments. It reportedly issued the third highest number of Fastags among issuer banks in November and December 2023. With the likely winding down of the wallet and Fastag business, analysts expect a material hit to Paytm's payment revenues, which make nearly half of its total revenue. Analysts at Jefferies estimate direct impact on wallets and payment to hit 20 to 30% of EBITDA. Lending business, which is 22% of Paytm's revenue and is separate from its payments bank, can also have a reputational impact of another 20 to 25% on overall EBITDA. The stock, analysts said, will remain weak ahead amid risks of foreign selling. The RBI strictures clearly point towards a corporate governance issue and some FIs will surely pull out. Currently, the down circuit and volumes are not giving them the opportunity, but expect selling pressure to be there in the short to medium term. They had managed to get the narrative right in the recent months, which was also supported by the performance. So the stock did well in the last one year. But now with this RBI directive, the carefully recreated image of Paytm 2.0 has again taken a beating. This will have an effect on the earnings over the next few quarters, thus derailing the profitability projections. Those who can possibly hold for long term, I would suggest hold with an expectation that management will walk the talk. I think others who don't have a view beyond uh, the next couple of months should actually look to book out whenever there is a bounce post-opening of the circuit, which hopefully should be on Monday. JP Morgan, Jefferies, JM Financial and Motilal Oswal have downgraded Paytm and slashed the target prices down to up to 500 rupees. 
the stock however has already cracked below this level technically it can fall towards the 430 rupees level before any possible rebound suggests monthly charts the stock will need to surpass and hold the 500 rupees mark firmly to counter the current downtrend chart show paytm expects the rbi move to have a worst case impact of 300 to 500 crore rupees on its annual ebitda notably it closed fy23 with a negative annual ebitda of 176 crore rupees on its books thus the stock will remain under pressure in the medium term while its plan of moving all user accounts from the payments bank to other banks will be eyed by investors today on the 5th of february equity markets will take cues from global peers and quarter 3 earnings of banking heavyweight state bank of india he's making plans for an early retirement business standard Paytm's boss Vijay Shekhar Sharma has his task cut out. A few months ago he had predicted artificial intelligence led mass industrialization of human jobs in the next 5 years. Things are clearly moving in that direction. Now a compact AI assistant device is taking the tech world by storm. It has been named Rabbit R1. Shivam Tyagi has more on it. It's not even a month since Rabbit R1 made its debut and opened for pre-sales, but this pocket-sized mobile device is already a must-have among the early adopters of technology. It may not be the smartphone killer the world is waiting for, but this AI-powered device is designed to rescue you from the clutter of mobile apps. It's a standalone device that controls your smartphone apps using voice commands. It can do things like book rides, play your music, purchase groceries, send messages and more just like Alexa and Google Assistant. And the best part, your smartphone stays in your pocket the whole time. The R1 also has a training mode that allows you to instruct the device on a specific task. Once trained, it can then replicate the action in response to subsequent commands. The Rabbit R1 features a 2.88-inch touchscreen, a rotating camera for capturing photos and videos, and a unique scroll wheel for navigation or communication with the device's built-in assistant. Inside the bright orange body, it has 4 GB of memory, 128 GB of storage, and a 2.3 GHz MediaTek processor. But the software inside the R1 is the real story. The makers claim that it runs on a natural language operating system which makes it more intuitive and efficient than speech recognition tech in current smartphones. Many AI based offerings today rely on large language models like OpenAI's GPT which utilizes machine learning to understand and generate human language. Rabbit R1's personalized operating system uses large action model which takes it one step further. It generates actions on behalf of users to perform specific tasks accurately and autonomously. The AI system also allows the device to recognize users' intentions and behaviors while executing tasks. 
The Rabbit R1 is designed for those seeking relief from the app overload on their mobile screens. At best, it can serve as the go-to gadget during downtime from smartphones. It caters to those who prioritize simplicity and value privacy. All data is either processed on-device or routed through a secure web portal. The maker, California-based startup Rabbit Inc. calls it the beginning of a new era in human-machine interaction. Trusted Bank, SBI, the banker to every India. The good news is that Rabbit R1 is available in India. It can be bought from Rabbit website for $199 or approximately 14,500 rupees and without any subscription fee. Well, that's all for today. For more news and analysis, please log into our website business-standard.com. Thank you for watching. For more news, views and updates, subscribe to Business Standard on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast and Spotify. Also follow us on YouTube, Vimeo, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn.